It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what's happening, what's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. Friday edition of Lockdown Rams, we are continuing our LA schedule preview series. I talked about it yesterday. We've got Jeff Lloyd on the show from Lockdown Browns. Super excited. Had an awesome chat with him earlier today. Pretty long chat, so I'll probably cut to it pretty here pretty quick. Don't forget, you can find me at LA underscore Rambling Bear on Twitter. Lockdown Rams, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook group. Our show is on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and of course, Himalaya. Download it. It's free, super easy to use as every single podcast you are looking for, including all of the Lockdown Podcast shows. Download it at the Apple Store or Google Play Store. Don't forget to follow Lockdown Rams once you're there. But man, do we got a good one today. As I mentioned, Jeff Lloyd, Lockdown Browns. I'm going to throw it right on over as we break down the offseason, the crazy offseason of the Browns trying to catch up, going for it all at once, adding a bunch of big pieces. Odell Beckham, Kareem Hunt. We'll talk about the schedule, the breakdown, the matchup in week three, all that and more. So hold on. We throw you over. Lockdown crossover. Jeff Lloyd, Lockdown Browns. I'll be back next week with a full slate of shows talking Eh, you know, we'll talk what we talk. Off season, getting ready. Todd Gurley's knee, probably. But until then, Rams Nation, you know what it is. Peace. All right, everybody, welcome into a Locked On crossover. Probably my favorite thing to do here on the network. I am Bear Motter of Locked On Rams, and we have got Jeff Lloyd of Locked On Browns with us. Jeff, how you doing, bud? Uh, doing really well. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, here in Jersey, uh, you know, obviously you out there, eh, sorry, the weather's always nice. <laughs> um, but for us, we're starting to hit, you know, our peak here, you know, high 70s, low 80s. Um, you know, kids are close to getting out of school, and, you know, look, it's summertime, but it's... It's weird because this time last year it was kind of like, well, you know, we'll get the show done. And now with all the anticipation and everything that's going on with it, it's more like, wow, let's get the show done. You know, it's just a, a whole different ballgame, you know, from where this team, you know, when I took over was 20 months ago from where it is now in the product. It's just just absolutely enjoying it. And, you know, the, the fact that we're you know, talking about, you know, whether or not Duke Johnson is good enough to be a part of this team as the third string running back and things of that nature. It's a whole different ball game from can anybody on this team play? Anybody? Is there anybody here who's good? Yeah, it's so crazy. You guys went from, you know, unlocking the fridge last year to potential playoffs, Super Bowl bound type team. It's so crazy. You went from getting a beer to trying to get a trophy all in one year with, 
you know, tons of additions. And, and, and that's kind of the crazy thing about this is I was prepping, trying to get ready to talk. What do I want to ask them? I'm writing down all these names, all these off-season stories, and I'm like, I don't even know where to, where to start because you have so much going on there. But we might as well start with the biggest name uh, with Odell Beckham. You know, that trade, obviously, I listened to that podcast the day after – uh, you guys got him. It was an awesome podcast. Uh, but just kind of, you know, how do you think he's going to fit in right away? And it sounds like him and Baker are already, you know, clicking. But just with Landry on the other side, what is the potential for that offense and Od- Odell Beckham in it? Um, it's actually funny because, you know, obviously everybody knows, you know, they were in L.A. together last summer, got to know each other. The first preseason game, you know, Cleveland went to go play the Giants. You know, Odell wasn't playing, came right over. There was a hug and a five-minute conversation between the two. And he just kind of looked and be like, wow, if you could ever kind of get that guy with this kid. And then and it's funny that you brought up the episode because we were 12 minutes deep and we were trying to talk about Sheldon Richardson. We were very <laughs> excited about the addition. And, you know, and I DM'd, you know, Pete Smith, my buddy who does not with me. I'm like, we got to just scrap this and just start from scratch. And oh, yeah, we do. Absolutely. So, <laughs> you know, absolutely pulled the plug and just started over. And everybody was, you know, it was for us, it was we don't need Odell Beckham because it was what the potential cost would be. You were figuring two first round picks plus more. And then you, you, you literally sit in there looking at it and going, all right, well, I need somebody else to confirm this because this just can't be it. This, right. this really just can't be it. And then you get confident. This is really it. This, this is really all it took. And, and for me, Odell Beckham jr. Uh, in the 2014 draft, I absolutely loved him. I loved the player. I thought he was going to kill it. He was my favorite player in the NFL. And then for him to now where I get to cover him on a daily basis. Um, and what we, we've got to see here a little bit this week at minicamp. Um, the, the talent is just off the charts. And it's not like Jarvis Landry. And it's not like Antonio Callaway. And it's not like Rashard Higgins weren't getting it done. But they were like a de facto three guys trying to figure out a one, two, a three. Now they're three guys getting to play a two, three, four in a wide receiver court. It's just amazing the way it is. But Baker alone with Odell is – Baker is so quick in his read and recognition. Ba- uh, Odell is so quick in his route running and so precise. They are an absolute perfect matchup. And even the days where Odell maybe will get three for 50 because they're going to put all the coverage on him, I have no idea how you're going to handle everybody else. Nick Chubb is fantastic. When they get Kareem Hunt back, uh, both guys can contribute in the receiving game as well as run the ball. David Ajoku is emerging in his third year. You still got those other three receivers I mentioned. There is a ton of skill here, and it's going to be fun to see the way it's all managed. But I don't see how they don't put up yards and don't put up points week in, week out. Yeah, I saw something, I I believe it was on your timeline, was from Pro Football Focus talking about from weeks 10 to 17, and the Browns were number one in receiving core um, when it came to that as far as team grades. So, you know, how they finished and then the addition that they have there, and you talked about Kareem Hunt. Um, Talk to us about that running back core a little bit, and is Duke Johnson going to be a part of this, or do you think he does get shipped and I can't remember how long is Kareem Hunt out. Have, have we talked? Has that been said yet? It's Kareem Hunt is out. Eight, he'll be out the first eight games. That's right. So you're getting him. Yeah. So um, I guess you know, with with the early bye week, he comes back for uh, week ten, which will be the the Browns' ninth game. Uh, you know, so that's put to bed. Um, whether or not he's going to be able to stay around a team, they're really pushing for it. They need the league to sign off on it. I do think it's better for Kareem Hunt if he's allowed to stay around the team. Wasn't thrilled about the signing because of the person he is. Normally, those are guys I shine away with. But you still 
have to be able to recognize that the guy is a really, really good player. The Duke Johnson situation, it's so weird because it's never changed. Duke Johnson has never known his role or his standing with this franchise, and he's now in his fifth year. Uh, you know, last year, obviously he was up for a contract extension. They go out, they sign Carlos Hyde. They use a really high pick on Nick Chubb. So, and that's where, again, here's Duke Johnson in limbo. And then they go in June and give Duke Johnson a three-year, $17 million contract. Okay, you guys want me around, I guess, because now I'm now the highest paid running back in the room. Then you go to the 2018 season, and he saw less reps than he saw in his first three years in Cleveland. So it's just this, and you know, so then obviously the Kareem Hunt signing. So maybe we're going to move on from Duke Johnson. Uh, when the Browns put him on the market, well before Duke asked for a trade, which is the key thing there. I don't think anybody, he was on the market well before. I think Duke, it was more of a, if you're going to trade me, let's just do it then. All right, right, let's get it over with. But the thing was, is now Duke was a guy who didn't get the ball much, is making over $5 million a year. The Browns were asking for a third round pick. Everybody said, no, I can draft a guy in the third round, fourth round, fifth round, pay him $900,000 and let him touch the ball 100 times a year. So they only got the fifth round in, in return. Now they don't know what to do with him. Me, I think you've got to keep him because, yes, as much as I love Nick Chubb, who is your number two running back? If, God forbid, something happens to Nick Chubb in you know your first eight games. And this is a year where everything's on the line. And you're expecting to win a division championship. So if there's a week Duke can't go, you know, and a lot of Browns fans, well, Dontrell Hilliard looks good and they seem to be talking him up. He, he hasn't had an NFL carry yet. You need to go a little more stable with that situation than a guy who hasn't had a carry in a game yet. You're playing for a division. You better have, you know, some more meat on the bone, so to speak, if something were to happen to Nick or even still something when he takes his blows and gets off the field. Yeah, you're right. You talked about what are you doing at number two in those eight weeks? You got to have somebody there, uh, even if it, you know, injury and giving a, a quick breather, anything like that. And Duke Johnson's a productive guy. You're right. They, I mean, talking about giving him the contract and then continue to kind of play with his emotions by adding people and drafting people. Uh, but it, it will be interesting to see if he can hold up for those eight games until Kareem Hunt gets back and how that kind of all marries together and really the long-term relationship. But uh, there, again, so much going on. Uh, Kitchens in his first year as a full head coach, a new D coordinator, a new o, o coordinator. What's your biggest concern about this offense or even the team in general? Uh, my offense, my concern is definitely offensive line related. Um, Greg Robinson, if he does what he did last year, that's fine. But, uh, you know, as you know, obviously, yeah. uh, you know, Greg Robinson has a history it's, that's not that great. Did he shake off some of the bus label last year? He absolutely did. Um, you traded away Kevin Zeitler, and this was the key for this team last year. And it's a key for Baker Mayfield is you want your interior O-line to be stout. And that's one thing you have to do with a quarterback who is only six feet tall. So that was a big advantage. Um, it seems, you know, each each practice, you know, each mini camp session or OTA session, it's a different right guard. They have three guys competing for it. A lot of people just figure the natural progression was that Austin Corbett will take it. Um, granted, you're not going to get much until pads are on and, you know, you know, you know who's manning up and who's not. Uh, Chris Hubbard at a right tackle played better in the second half last year. But, you know, you know, I'm happy with left guard. I'm extremely happy with center. I think Greg Robinson will be OK at left tackle. But that right side does give me some concerns, and until we get some pads on, I'll have some questions uh, about the right guard. I think there is a question mark there with the offensive line. I do want to get a couple over to you here. First things first, what was that two weeks like? 
up in the, the two weeks of getting ready of doing shows talking about the Super Bowl. What was that like? Oh man, it felt good. But that two weeks felt like two months. I'll tell you that because oh, I can uh, you know how many there's the storylines everyone's building right. Old man Brady versus young man Goff. Todd Gurley's knee. Do the Rams belong? The pass interference call. I mean, all that type of stuff was was fun, but also annoying to deal with because Todd Gurley you had no you had no answer. We still don't have an answer. I mean, we're we're now into the off season, deep into the off season, getting ready for camp in a month here, and there's still no one's giving us anything. The most we got recently was that they're going to try to potentially drop him in weight, uh, use him a little bit less, but still he's a huge part of the offense. Uh, so it was a fun two weeks, but yeah, there was a lot of you know fluff and we wanted to get to the game and then you get to the game and we all saw what happened there and and it's sad because the defense played a hell of a game against Tom Brady and that offense and you know we let Edelman go off with all his catches and but nothing was really threatening until that Gronk uh deep pass into the red zone and and it was just a letdown to see a team that was led by this offense 30 something points a game he gets the big game and they just couldn't get it done. And, you know, hopefully for them and, and for us out here in L.A., that, that's a chip that's been built on their shoulder, and they use that to move forward. And it seems like this team with Sean McVay and the way that he preaches everything and the we, not me, and, you know, kind of the way that he's brought uh, this team in that building together, you think that they're going to be okay after this because the record shows after losing a Super Bowl, it doesn't go so well for you. But I think it's going to be a different story with this team. And that's one thing. And actually, I've talked with this about some some people, and they said it's probably the two weeks to get ready for a Super Bowl. This is probably one of the biggest advantages that Bill Belichick has had, is because you know he will study the living death out of you, and it gets to the point where it's almost like he's in your meetings. Well, sometimes they have been in their meetings, right. <laughs> but it's almost to the point. I mean, he is such a football savant and such a football mind that if you're giving him this much time. To learn about your offense and what you know, and what you team, what you like to do, and what your nuances are, and what each receiver's favorite route is, he he's got you beat because he's got 14 days to get ready for it. And look, let's just hope every you know, Tom, just get old, please, Tom, just get right. old. Let's let that regime end. Um, Aaron Donald, um, you get to talk about and cover the single best defensive player in this league, day in day out, and even just the one drill the other day, going over the pads. Mm pushing the medicine ball. I mean, you see so many guys at his size and it's like, Oh my God, this is the most unsexy thing I've ever seen from a human being. And you watch him do it and he does it. He looks like a tailback doing it. What's it like getting to talk about and cover Aaron every day? Yeah, it's, it's uh, definitely something that I almost take for granted at times. And I love talking to you guys because everyone I talk to just drools over Aaron Donald and rightly so. Right. And you kind of start to get used to a player like that. I mean, 20 and a half sacks last year, and we're over here talking, can he get better? Is, is there more? Because he, has, he wasn't even with the team the last two years. He was in contract uh, you know, talks, and now that's over. He doesn't have to worry about that. I don't think he really ever was. I think he was always really focused on what he's doing, and he's got a great thing at the University of Pittsburgh working out down there. But, man, I've never just wanted and hoped for someone's workout videos to, to hit online more than Aaron Donald's because it's like he's fighting people with knives. You know, He's got like a 13-pack. Yep. I mean, the man is just insane when it comes to – you know, what he physically can do and watching him throw around 300 pound offense alignment is just so much fun. I mean, the guy, he didn't have a sack until week four and ended up with 20 and a half. I mean, it's just, it's unreal. The numbers that he puts up and really, 
was such a leader on that defense. I mean, in Domigan Sue, I don't blame him for not wanting to come back. He didn't get any credit out here. He wasn't doing much. You know, he had four and a half sacks. We kind of we almost thought that he'd fall into four and a half sacks from people just running away from Aaron Donald. But um, you know, he's off to a different area to try to, you know, do something else. But we've got a couple people we're really excited about. Greg Gaines up in the front to kind of add to help with some run stuffing. Because, again, you're talking about a team that gave up five yards per carry on the ground. So they still got some things to fix as a whole. Um, you know, we're expecting Tlaib and Peters to be healthy, hopefully a bit longer together. When they were together, they were great. When they one of them was injured, not so great. So Aaron Donald's a freak, man. And it's like, it's crazy, like I said, to think that he can have a better year than last year. And that's almost what we're expecting here. And he came off of 20 and a half sacks. So no complaint forms necessary over here. All right, just one more here before we start to flip it up a little bit. Eric Weddle, um, that's, that's a very nice addition. And what I liked about it from the Rams' perspective was it was kind of like a – that was a Belichick move. It was That was like a, hey, we're missing something, and we need you know an experienced veteran who sees everything, who's just a really smart player. And I, I just love the addition because, you know, you, you like you brought up that Gronk catch, and – Eric would have been the guy in that situation that said, you want to know what? Everybody make sure who you got. 87 ain't beating me. Yep. And I, I, that's why I loved the addition of it because, I, you know, you may not see it a lot early in the season, but there will be key spots where it's Eric Weddle who was the guy who made it. And you know, I also think that he looks around what's going on with that team and says, all right, it's here. And, you know, I know I can be a part of it that they were only, you know, a minute and a half away from taking home a Lombardi. I, I can cover that minute and a half for them. Oh, for sure, and and that's the exciting thing you you get is it, he had the pick of the litter, right? Go where you want to go or retire, yep. and he chose L.A., and those are the type of things that as an organization and as a fan out here, you start to go, all right, we're really doing this right because now people want to come here. You know, back in the yep. St. Louis days and even in the early L- L.A. days with Jeff Fisher, like it was a struggle trying to get that big name, and, it, and obviously we get the number one pick, and we changed around, McVay, and he's built this culture that people want to be a part of, but – you know, even see veterans like Talib was talking yesterday to the media and talking about how he loves Weddle so much with his communication. And this is a guy that he's going to, as a veteran, he's going to Eric Weddle to talk about how to line up that communication that you mentioned. So uh, just ecstatic to see a basically a an extension of McVeigh and what you get off the field with his coaching. But you get a guy like that on the field, a guy that can move people around, you can trust, he can come up and play near the line of scrimmage, he can get back and play center field. Uh, so, and then also, you know, you, you hear out in Denver uh, with Flacco, he's like, my job isn't to train any young guy. I'm here to get wins. And then you hear Weddle going, I can't wait to work with John Johnson III and make him yep. the best damn safety when I leave. And that type of difference in a player is amazing. I understand the quarterback's a little different position. Everyone's hunting for you. But to see him embrace that role and to really buy in from day one and then just, just watch him out in the field and horns on the helmet, man, it's been so much fun uh, just during these OTAs. So, yeah, he's definitely someone that, like you said, when you're you know a couple minutes away from changing an outcome of a Super Bowl, that's the type of player that you can plug in there and hope that you see a little bit of a difference there. So lots of excitement in that secondary especially with partnering him with John Johnson, man. That's going to be a a tough secondary to get by. Uh, Guys, this is uh, Locked On Browns, Locked On Rams. Jeff Floyd here for Locked On Browns. Bear Mater for Locked On Rams. Uh, We're going to get to, uh, you know, flip it up here to the other side of the ball here in a second for everybody.
The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, Bear, tell us what exactly is going on with Todd Gurley. Please, can anybody? um, Look, I I mean, uh, my guess would be, Whatever the knee injuries are, I think the first thing you got to think is: Are they start to be? Is there? Is it a case of degenerative? Um, you know, Henderson is a fantastic selection. That was a great pick, great run. Once, and I almost bought it. Like you know, you lie because you don't want to tip your hand in the playoffs. So you know, I, I get the lying of it, but it, you know, and so you know, everybody's got to play every angle of it. But you make that selection, and now, and you know, oh, we're going to take a couple of pounds off him. Anybody looks at Todd Gurley, you don't think, I mean, who was there last year helping him out through the playoffs? There was a guy that could lose some weight. <laughs> I don't know how you're taking much weight off of Todd Gurley. Um, if you had to guess, but obviously they are keeping this covered and maybe because they got a boatload of money invested in him, I guess. But it's just the weirdest situation. Uh, it's so weird. And it and it's so tough because I've, I've gone every angle on here to like, oh my gosh, he's done to... You know, we need to find a full-time replacement to, well, yeah, I think he's all right, to now I'm he almost... He have my knee. Who yeah, cares? Yeah, exactly. Take my knee. And now all of a sudden I'm back on this program of, you know, I almost think, you know, you play the game, you talk about it in the postseason and you limited information because you don't want to know. And it's almost that getting ready for the season. You don't want to come out and say, hey, this guy's awesome, man. We're going to give him 30 carries a game. Be ready for a lot of Todd Gurley. Like, it's the same thing. It's almost counter lies the other way you're trying to you know be discreet about everything and it does worry me they talk about losing a little weight you know eight to ten pounds doesn't sound like a lot but when you're getting hit by a you know 300 pound d lineman or a 250 linebacker coming straight forward that 10 pounds is a lot to protect you and if you're talking about coming off an injury and trying to protect injury you know that gets you a little worried there but their idea is to make it more agile i'm expecting you know in the 15 to 18 carries a game somewhere in that range nothing i mean it's funny a year ago coming into the offseason I was like get Todd Gurley the ball 25 30 times a game just just and then here I am now you know a year removed and going yeah 15 will be good for me I think because yeah you talk about Henderson in the addition yes I think it, it definitely plays to you know what the the health of Todd Gurley is and how they're gonna probably pull back on him a little bit but Sean McVay's this offensive genius you hear and to give him another offensive weapon they do a lot of those jet sweeps they you know put guys in the slot they they put out Todd Gurley in the slot last year as wide receiver Henderson's a great wide receiver as well as far as catching the ball so I think it's more of a piece to the offense with Henderson not so much a replacement again you got to remember we brought back Malcolm Brown 
Brown. Uh, you know, we matched the contract uh, that he got yep. from the Lions. So they're really building up John, a lot like you guys. John Kelly's still there? Yeah, John, John Kelly, Kelly, who I think is going to be the odd man out in this year. I think, you know, he'll, he'll maybe make the roster if he does some special teams. But sadly, I think he may get filtered out with, you know, how this is setting up, but a lot like you guys in Cleveland, you got a bunch of guys and it sounds like a good problem to have. Unfortunately with us is there's this big question mark of how healthy Todd Gurley is. So I cannot wait because we're obviously not seeing him in the preseason. McVay doesn't play any of the starters, especially, you know, banged up Todd Gurley, quote unquote, or not quote unquote, however you want to look yes. at it. But uh, week one, man, week one and, and seeing you guys week three, we're going to find out pretty quick what we're going to get from Todd Gurley. But I'm now on this, like I'm turning the corner. I've, I've vented, I've had my meltdowns and now I'm turning the corner and I'm, I'm seeing the, the sunshine out here in LA. And I'm, I'm really hoping in all my fantasy leagues that most of my guys I play with are in the Midwest East coast, that they're going to you know, think a lot like everyone else does, and I'll pick them up at a lower rate than I usually would get them. But I'm expecting big things for Todd Gurley this year. Yeah, that, that's good. Because he's, he, A, number one, he's just a fun player. And you don't want to see any guy's light go out before it needs to, and that would be a shame. And it's funny you put up the fantasy aspect. The first Browns-Bengals game last year, uh, I had Patrick Mahomes. I had a stacked roster. But the bye weeks were all the same. So, but that week I had Baker Mayfield, I had Nick Chubb, I had David Njoku, and I just put it up like an absolutely obscene week. And we were actually away in Atlantic City, New Jersey, for my daughter's birthday. My wife's like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "I'm just blown away that the Browns are carrying me right now in fantasy to a huge win." Just absolutely <laughs> blown away. And now I've got a decision where I have people offering me every day for either Baker or Mahomes. So I'm going to have a because it's a keeper league. I'm going to have oh, to figure nice. something out. Um, Cooper Cup. Obviously, you know, know him. It's confirmed. There is an injury with Cooper yeah, Cup. Yes. Um, and I've seen some things. Um, and I'll be honest. I, Cooper Cup was a guy I dogged through his draft period. And if I, you know, anybody ever wants to give me a draft L, yes, Cooper Cup, I will put it up. I took the L on that one. Um, I, I've seen some things. Obviously, and it's funny you said jet sweep because that was the video I saw today where they were running that with him. How does he seem like he's coming along? And they always say, like, you know, everybody comes back from an ACL differently. and But I think the one advantage Cooper Cup is going to have is he's just so darn intelligent that he's going to know what his body is capable of and what it isn't, as opposed to other guys who just say, all right, let's do everything we've always done. I don't think Cooper Cup's going to play it that way. He's going to play into the abilities that he knows his body currently has. Yeah, I, th- I think you're you're on the right track there too. The one thing that scares me about him as well, though, is and you've heard it from the coaches, is they're constantly, like any elite athlete, having to hold him back stop, a little bit. Yeah, stop, yep. slow down, buddy, slow down. I know you want to get there, and you know it's through the process, but he's really embraced that, and he's talked about that, and that was one of his early struggles was trying to not go too much, right? Uh, but the the progression that they've they've told us about and that you've seen on the field is really exciting. And he, talking about that Superman, that's a guy that you miss so much because he was, you know, Mister yep. Third Down for us. I mean, you even look at the percentages of our third down completion and our, you know, what happened once Cooper left, and it, it dropped like twenty percent once he left. So uh, he's a huge part to what we do, and and really giving Jared Goff that that safety blanket when he looks at the other two wide receivers and, and they played together, all three of them, you know, cooks woods and cup all played so well together. So when we lost one piece, man, it, it almost, I don't want to say it crumbled because we had some guys that stepped up and Jared Goff still 
found some good games late, even though he struggled in, in that later half of the season. But he's important, man, and I'm excited to have him back. But I think you're right. I think he is one of those guys that everyone heals differently and approaches it, but he is such a smart player uh, that he knows how to use leverage to his advantage. Uh, and, and like you said, taking care of that injury, I think, is going to be important. So we are stoked. This is an injury that we know of, so we can talk about it. And, <laughs> and we also know that he's recovering. I think it's going to be huge for our offense to see, really. I mean, he was on pace for about 800 yards and you know 12 touchdowns. So to add that back to the offense, I mean, nothing but good coming out of Cooper Cup's return. Yeah, no, and it, it's fun to see because, I mean, you get those pieces in place – and you need those guys. And it's like Rashard Higgins is that guy for Baker Mayfield. And it's still going on now. I mean, Landry, Odell, obviously much bigger, prominent guys with better resumes. But some guys, you know, some receivers and a quarterback, they just ying to the yang type of thing. And he, I, that's what I noticed with Cup and Goff is they just had that it where it's, you know, and it's, it's not even hand signals. It's, hey, you know, they look at each other. You're saying what I'm saying, right? And it's just the... It's just the nod. You're seeing what I'm seeing. All right, let's do it. And that was one of the most impressive things to see Cup, uh, you know, as far as what he's been able to do this point and, you know, obviously a key factor for them going further. Yeah, for, for sure. And it, it's just adding those pieces, right? And, you know, as we talk about adding those pieces and we, we talked about so far, we've covered everything, right? Might as well finish with a little bit of the Browns D and, and it's another new piece there as well. Obviously, Steve Wilkes is the new DC there. Um, you know, Miles Garrett took big steps last year. Uh, Denzel Ward was surprising at number four pick. I think a lot of people had their questions about what he was going to do. He had a great season. You add Greedy Williams, uh, how does this defense looking, you know, coming in 2019, where are the big worries? Who's who's kind of the next step to make that, you know, a great defense? Um, I, I love what they did. Um, I'm not going to lie. We were I, I really thought the Gerald McCoy thing was going to be, you know, not to you know compare a guy who's been nine years in the league to Odell Beckham. But I thought that would have been the final piece on defense because you've already got a quality starting defensive line. You brought in Olivier Vernon. You brought in Sheldon Richardson. Larry Ogunjobi can play. There's no doubts about that. Miles Garrett obviously is a star. So you've got a great starting front four. If you brought in McCoy, you basically had five starters where you could just rotate in, you know, 75% of the reps, the reps, whatever. And Sheldon Richardson isn't necessarily just a defensive tackle. He can play outside. Miles, they like him inside and pass. There was so much you could do there. But look, they were in it. I do think one of the one of the things that, you know, and Sheldon Richardson said, even said it yesterday, you know, he said, my bad. He's like, if Gerald McCoy's not here, I might be the reason. And, you know, it's, it's probably true. It, right. it, the fact that, you know, if there's a contract and there's incentives, I might not have met them because I wouldn't have got the same, you know, swings of the bat, so to speak. But I love what they did in that front four now is a lot and this is the one thing, as, as good as they were in 2018, the biggest drop they had was in defensive line play. They gave up almost uh, they gave up almost 4.9 yards per carry in 2018. 2017, they were closer to 3.95. Um, it was really only Denny Shelton that they moved on from. But sometimes you need, obviously you saw him in the Super Bowl, but you need so, you know a guy who can just play the run. I think between Sheldon, between Larry and now Vernon and Miles, you're good there. The secondary, Greedy Williams, getting him at 47. Wow. We talked with some people, and yeah. you know that's where obviously he was drafted. I had Daniel Jeremiah, uh, Daniel Jeremiah come on the show, and he's like, "Well, I had him at 33, and it was." The tackling, look, if you don't really see it, you can't assume it's going to happen. 
but the guy can cover. There's no doubt about that. And he's going to be the number two corner. He doesn't have to be the number one. Right. He's only got to be the two. And we expected him to be brought along slowly. Nah, that's not really been the case. Uh, yesterday's minicamp uh, had an early set, uh, interception off a tip ball. Picked Baker for a pick six of the house. It seems like he's really hit the ground running. The tackling, we'll see when the pads are on. But he was a fine addition. Um, you know, losing Jabril Peppers, a guy who was really starting to establish himself was able to do really great things, you know, closer to the line of scrimmage. But once he got his confidence level up, he was able to drop back. Moving on from him was tough. But when you say, well, it's Odell. Yeah. Okay, we're good. <laughs> exactly. We'll be all right. We'll, we'll, we'll find somebody else. We'll find somebody else. Um, Demarius Randall had a fine first season. Yeah, he drafted Sheldrick Redwine, who's going to be eased into this. You went and got a box safety in Morgan Burnett. Uh, you went and got another coverage safety in Eric Murray, who obviously John Dorsey drafted in his time in Kansas City. Drafted him as a cornerback. So, And this is one thing that's going to be different is the Browns are probably going to be playing with the lead a lot in 2019. So you want a D-line who can get after the quarterback. You want a secondary who can cover. Because those are the situations you're going to face. You're going to be a nickel and dime predominantly you know, third quarter, you know, or, you know, even earlier. I mean, if you, if you get up early, like you should with this offense, you're going to have to cover a lot. Uh, Wilkes was a nice addiction addition. And I do like the fact that he comes here with a chip on his shoulder, got a raw deal. You know, any first time head coach deserves better than one year, right? which you know, he did not get. And he's going to come in here. It's going to be a little different for him in though, because Ward and greedy, they're press men. And that's what they do. It's not necessarily what he likes so much, but, you know, adaptation, that's, you know, any players have to adapt. Coaches have to adapt. Play with what you got. And, you know, he may say, oh, well, this was always my scheme. But, well, I don't have to worry about my scheme anymore now because these two guys are going to help me break the mold of my scheme. Exactly. So it, it's going to be fun to see how it all plays out. But, you know, other than, you know, the, the way the linebacker depth is going to shake out, which I'm not that concerned about because, as I said, it's going to be nickel and dime a lot. I, I love, love this product. McCoy would have been the icing on the cake. Um, any defensive tackle who gets loose, whether it's June 1st or somebody gets cut, you know, over cap money, whatever, the Browns are going to be in on that. But it, I love the fact that the offense, it was pretty much just, all right, we'll add Odell to all of this and Kareem Hunt. And then, all right, we added two defensive linemen, first pick on a cornerback. All right, here's a couple more D-backs. I, I love the fact that they kind of sprinkled around their offseason to every position. Yeah, you you nailed it, right? I mean, you went heavy on the offense. This is a this is an offense that's setting up to look very similar to what the Rams could do as far as putting up close to 30 points a game. So you turn around to your defense and say, "Hey, look, we've got some great players at key positions." You talked about the additions at the line and how that's shaken out. And it's like, "Now just hold the team under, you know, around 20 25 points and we'll we'll win a lot of ball yep. games, right?" So, uh, I like the way that you guys are building out there and it, going back to what we started. It's so crazy how fast it's come. Um, and that's kind of what happened in LA. We went from four wins to eleven to you know following that up with you know a, a Super Bowl visit. So it can happen pretty fast here in the NFL. What we'll do is we'll step aside one last time. We're going to come back and we'll talk a little bit about the matchup in Week Three, what we see for the season outlook, and a little bit more. Uh, Jeff Lloyd, Bear Motter, right after this. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. 
The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. All right, guys, welcome back to the crossover. We've got Jeff Lloyd of Lockdown Browns. I am Bear Motter of Lockdown Rams. You can find Jeff at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. You can find me at LA underscore Rambling Bear. You can find both of our shows on the new streaming app, Himalaya. Download it. Uh, it's free. It's awesome. It has all of your podcasts, your wants and needs right there, and everything on the Lockdown Podcast Network. So check it out. Um, we Let's talk about this game. Week three. It's happening early in the season. I'm a little frustrated, but I'm excited too because we're coming off of we play at Carolina week one. We have the New Orleans Saints at home, the big grudge match r- rivalry building up. Oh, there. yeah. That's it. No, no storylines going into that one. Yeah. <laughs> and then followed by going on the road, Sunday night football uh, out to Cleveland to face a team who on paper looks awesome, but yet we don't know what we're going to see. So, what, what's your initial thoughts about that week three matchup and, and how it might play out? Uh, my initial thoughts are Aaron Donald, do not kill our franchise quarterback. <laughs> Baker Mayfield. No promises. That is the, big and, first and foremost, that is the biggest fear. But you want these litmus, test, litmus tests. And, you know, in, in, we've talked about this a ton and some of the listeners aren't so thrilled with it. But to go from 0-16 to 7-8-1 and 1 is fantastic. But the climb, the mountain you've got to climb to get from 7-8-1 and 1 to... 10 and 6, 11 and 5. That's bigger than the mountain you climb to get to 7, 8, and 1. And the other thing is the expectations are through the roof. Nobody's looking at the Cleveland Browns right now and saying, all right, well, the Browns, okay. It, it, that's not the case anymore with the talent that's brought in. So you, you know, so you need that measuring stick. Obviously, I mean, you need, you know, obviously this, you know, they're going to play both Super Bowl participants, and I think they're going to play them within a, a month of each other. These are, you know, where you are. These are your. Even if you don't win, how did you play in these games? Did you compete? Did you go to the final bell? And it, it's that's that's what makes you a great team, and that's how you're going to find out about it. Um, and, you, you know, and I, I think of Peters and I think of Tlaib and I think of Odell and these refs may need some extra penalty flags in their back pockets because these guys are not going to shut up and they're going to go at it forever. Uh, it could be a personal foul maven between all those three guys because nobody's going to let the other guy get the last word in. It, it, it's going to be fun. And, you know, obviously, you know, Kareem won't be there, but it'll be Nick Chubb, guys like David Njoku and. The Rams want to continue the path they're on, and the Browns, in the same respect, they're looking at them going, well, we want to be you from the AFC. We want to be you. It's going to be a fun one. There's there's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, I have some early talks. That might be one of the games I do make it out to Ohio for because just the appeal and the allure of it, you know, Goff, Baker, I mean, just that that's – 
easily, you know, obviously it's Tennessee week one, the Jets week two, which is, you know, obviously close to me. But, you know, and as far as, you know, my feeling growing up in New Jersey, being a Jet fan growing up. But that week three matchup, it's like, oh, baby, here we go. Who, you know, you know, it's no more. The storylines are out the window. Everybody is going to judge you now and even more because it's Sunday Night Football. Yeah, definitely. And looking at some early ticket prices, that's the second highest home ticket price for the Browns so far this year. So yep. uh, definitely going to be a ticket that's going to you want to get now uh, instead of waiting closer because it's going to get be- uh, only bigger and bigger. But you're right. It's so crazy to see this game because if you think about this game in week 15, it's a completely different game than it is now, right? These guys got to gel fast. They got to put it together. You got a team that went to the Super Bowl coming in. uh, And it's weird. This is a a Super Bowl team that has a chip on their shoulder still because I think, like I said earlier, a lot of people thought they didn't really belong there uh, coming out of that Saints game and then what they performed in the Super Bowl. So they've got a big chip on their shoulder. And they know that you guys, as you mentioned, are are trying to be the Rams of the last couple years, trying to take that next big step. And, And you're totally right with that. When, when you go from that 9-win to that 11-12-win playoff, that is a big, steep incline up that mountain right there. And those, are, those last couple of games are really hard to win as far as, you know, there's a little luck. There's a little late skill. There's obviously a consistency, injuries, all those things that go into it. So it's going to be fun early on. Hopefully everyone is injuries, uh, you know, injury-free at that point. And I love it. You talked about the Smash Mouth football. I mean, Odell, keep your chain at home if you know a keep to leave. Don't be throwing your chain out yep. there. You might it might get a little uh, a little field jewelry at the end of the at the end of the day. But uh, I love this. I think it's going to be a super fun game. And you're right, um, all the way out. We have a lot of Rams fans uh, that that listen to the show, obviously, and talk about going to games. And that's one that everyone's really excited about. Uh, looking even going into Cleveland to go see that one. So, uh, and and I think for Rams, we're excited to see Greg Robinson on the line. And I'm sure that defense is going to be going at him hard. Uh, he was known best out here for basically either jumping off sides or holding people uh, were his two biggest uh, attributes as a Ram. So, uh, man, I, I can't wait to see how this matches up. And you talked about Aaron Donald. The one thing that's exciting is he plays really well against the Baker Mayfield style of play. I mean, if you look at who he sacked most in his career, it's it's near the top of the list is Russell Wilson, kind of that outside the pocket, create things happen. He's got, I mean, we've seen the speed. I mean, you just talked about the video you saw, but he just has a way of, I don't want to say tricking quarterbacks into going where he wants you to go, but he finds a way to track you down and he'll get there in a hurry. Uh, so I like that matchup, him up versus the offensive line, but man, going to be a lot to look at. As you look at the whole Big picture, and we'll kind of go big picture here. How do you see this team lining up? Is this, in your mind, a playoff team this year? I I think it, 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 you know, they don't want to say it in that front office, which I get it. I don't see how it's not front office. Or, I don't see how it's not win the division or bust. I, I, I don't see it. I don't get it. This is you know, what you've worked for, and you know I understand that it's you know you, you're trying to play coy about it, but I, I don't see why anymore. I, I, I just don't. Um, you make the additions that you made, whether it's Odell, whether it's Olivier Vernon, whether it's Sheldon Richardson, whether it's Kareem Hunt, and then your draft class. It's okay to say, look, we have major expectations, and they should. And especially because you haven't done anything for 19 years since you've gotten your franchise back here in Cleveland. Uh, I would say 10 and 6, 11 and 5. The only thing that truly concerns me is, you know, if you're the Cleveland Browns, you need to take care of Big Brother. You need to take care of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we talk about this all the time. Similar to you know, the vampire movies, you need to take that wooden stake and drive it through the heart of the Steelers and say, your time is over. 
it's my world now. It's you know, it's a Browns world, and I, whether it happens or not, I you know, there'll be excuses if it doesn't. But you can't tell me on this paper on paper that this franchise is not good enough to win this AFC North division. I, I, I just do not see. And if they're okay with anything less than that, then that is on them. This franchise and all the talent they have here, this is the talent of a division winning roster. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, you know, it's a great year uh, to have Pittsburgh in your division. I feel like they are definitely, I don't want to say falling apart, but we've seen them spread out. Maybe they come together off all this drama and all the people leaving and everything. But uh, we play at Pittsburgh this year, and I keep saying it's probably one of the better years to go and play at Pittsburgh. I just feel like this is yep. a place that is very fragile right now, and I don't know much longer they're going to, you know, hold all the pieces there, including the head coach. But uh, I, I do like the well, way – even you, the quarterback. Yeah. Well, even the quarterback because yeah. that's like the weird part is, you know, normally when you have this type of friction within – it's like, well, you know, how much longer is Ben going to be around? Because when Ben retires, Le'Veon Bill is probably still going to be playing. Antonio Brown is probably still going to be running routes. And that – it's just a weird dynamic. But – Again, the, Pittsburgh does not handle that type of stuff well, and now it's really starting to show. And it's gonna it's gonna be harder to handle when the Browns potentially could sweep you and, and win the yep. division. That might be a little bit tougher uh, pill to swallow there. But for the Rams, I think I think this is our third year winning the NFC West Championship outright. Uh, we swept the division last year. I don't know if that's gonna happen. Seattle played us to all the way to a fourth down conversion uh, in both games to win that game. So. Uh, I think there could be, we play a quick turnaround where we're at home after about four or five weeks, and then we head up to a Thursday night game on the road. I think that might be a tough one for us, but I think we win the division. Uh, we're looking at, you know, roughly a 12 and four, 11 and five, somewhere in that range. Cause at the same time, they're always some downfalls during the season and Rams may rest starters near the end if they, depending on how things shake out. So I think, yep. you know, 11, 12, 13 wins will be the cap. Uh, I'd love to see them go on another stretch that they started last season where they you know, started out 10, 11, and 0 or whatever it was. Uh, it would be a nice way to start because you kind of, I don't want to say cruise control, but it makes it a lot easier when you already got 11 wins in 11 games. Yep. So, uh, But again, I think this is a team that competes in the playoffs and will host a home field advantage game. Whether they get one or two, that is the big question. I think we would love to see New Orleans come back out and, and kind of a rematch of the NFC Championship, but out at our house would be nice. Even though it tends to have some away crowd in at the Coliseum right now, but that's something LA is going to work on as they open up the new stadium in 2020. But man, it would be fun to see you guys in the playoffs. Uh, we all know what that would mean if if that happened. So uh, I know you got steps to happen to get there. But man, Jeff, I appreciate this. One of my favorite things to do: lockdown crossover. Guys, make sure to go give everyone a follow. Uh, Locked on Browns, Locked on Rams. You can find us again on Himalaya. Download, subscribe, comment, share. You know the deal. Jeff, man, good luck. Can't wait to talk uh, when we get back to the season, week of, and kind of see how far we've come in the past couple weeks. And hopefully this is a 2-0 versus 2-0 matchup coming into that Sunday night game. Uh, That's where I'll give you a prediction. The Browns will be 2-0 going into that. Um, I'm not sure who you guys are playing, but uh, I'd probably bet safely that the Rams will be going 2-0 into that one. (laughs) Yeah, we've got Saints and Carolina. I think at Carolina, I feel okay with. Saints at home, I I mean, I'm confident, but there's still two reasons. If if you're going to play him, you want him on grass. You don't want him in their place. Very true. So hopefully we're both right there, 2-0, 2-0, coming into the big game Sunday night. Uh, Jeff, I appreciate it. We'll talk soon, my man. Take it easy. You got it, buddy. I appreciate it. Have a blast. Thanks for everything.
Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network. 